0: 2014 Faith Forward podcast series. The following presentation was recorded live at the 2014 Faith Forward gathering, which was held in Nashville, Tennessee. On May 19th through the 22nd of that year, hundreds of conversation partners from across the globe and spanning dozens of denominational traditions gathered to question, share, and be inspired to reimagine ministry with youth and children. This podcast episode features Mark Iaconelli's presentation at this gathering.
1: Desmond Tutu, the Archbishop of South Africa, was working on a book. And uh, the president of Emory University in Atlanta knew this, found this out, got word to the the, uh, Archbishop they had a house available that he could stay at on campus to work on his book if he'd be willing to just step into some classes once in a while and, and, and share some of his wisdom. He took the deal, took the house, worked on the book, second semester, the uh, president decided to push it a little further and said, uh, would you be willing to teach a whole class? Uh, and so the archbishop thought about it and he said, yeah, I, I would like to teach a class, and, but I'd like to do it in the theology school, Candler School of Theology in Atlanta. And he said, I'm, I'm going to call it uh, God's Love, and, and I want some requirements on this class. First of all, I only want seniors, uh, those people getting ready to graduate, and I want those students who are going into ministry. I don't want academics. I want people going into the parish and are going to be ministers. So they made those requirements. My friend Michael was there, first day of class. The archbishop gets up. They called him the arch. The arch gets up there. And he's starting to talk, and he's pacing, and, and he's, uh, but, you know, he's very sensitive to audiences, and he notices that the students are a little bit restless. They're not really giving him their full attention. They're, they're, they're sort of looking around. Now, these are people who have been formed and trained in school culture. They've been in school their whole lives, uh, this, been to college, now this is graduate school, this is an 800 level course, and so uh, you know, they're looking for the syllabus. And one of them says that to him, Where, where's, is, is there a syllabus here? And the arch says, Oh, a syllabus. You know, that has the, how it's going to be graded, the readings, the tests, how the class is going to function. And he says, Oh, no, there's, there, there's, no, there's no syllabus. And uh, in fact, there's, there's no readings, uh, there's no assignments, there's no tests. And what I thought I'd do is I'm just going to give all of you an A. Well, this really caused a tremor through, <laughs> this sounds like communism. <laughs> we don't just give everyone an A. And the archbishop kind of noticed this discomfort and said, you know, God has very low standards, very low standards, and so I will too. I'll just have low standards. Everybody gets an A. And he says, Here's what we're going to do in this course. All we're going to do in this class is I'm going to tell you stories where I encountered and experienced and knew God's love. And then I'm going to invite you to remember. And recall and tell stories about when you encountered and knew God's love. And he said, here's why. I know many of you have taken uh, exams in church history and church doctrine and hermeneutics and Greek and Hebrew, all this kind of stuff. But if you leave this seminary and you don't know God's love in the marrow of your bones, you leave this institution with nothing with nothing. Today, the focus is on rhythm. And and immediately, that conjures up spiritual practice, spiritual disciplines. In other words, another reason to feel guilty and fill yourself with self-hatred and (laughs) self-loathing. Your whole life, for those of you who've been in the church since you were a child, you've been told, you know, you should have that morning devotion time, just 10 minutes, just five minutes. Just one minute. <laughs> Anything. You're right. You set the alarm, and you have the devotional book you've bought, and then you had, you maybe that's not the right book, and so you bought another book, and then you have like seven books there, and the magazines, and the thing that pops up on your phone now, all these things for 30 seconds. <laughs> and we're not doing it. And we're not going to do it. And so the worst thing that could happen is for you to leave today feeling like ashamed and feeling worse than before you came, right? That 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 I'm not doing the spiritual disciplines. I'm not climbing the Jacob's ladder. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not reaching spiritual perfection. I'm the same mediocre, troubled, afflicted uh, human being that I was when I got here, you know? We, We can do that to ourselves. And what I want to tell you is, first of all, That spiritual, keeping a rhythm, a spiritual practice, a discipline, um, it's just remembering, that's all. It's just remembering God's love. What helps you come alive? What helps you be yourself? See, I trust every human being already has a spiritual practice. You just never called it that before because it wasn't in some book. You have some way that you retreat from the habits and routines of your life and of your thinking. Some way you you withdraw from the harriedness and hypnotic uh, distractions of this culture. Some way you come back home to yourself. Maybe it's playing piano in an empty church. Maybe it's driving in the car with everything turned off the phone, that little solitude as you travel through. Maybe it's sitting in the backyard and drinking your coffee. Some way that you come home and you allow God's presence to sort of rise up and come over you. You know, that's what this is. And Jesus doesn't have a morning devotion, at least it's not recorded. He's not getting up and reading scriptures every morning. We don't see have any recording of that. He uh, seems to follow some rhythm that every once in a while he realizes I need rest. I need to remember. I need to withdraw. I need to uh, uh, get renewed and so he goes to the lakeside once in a while or he goes into the wilderness or he goes up on the mountain or he gathers with close friends and he allows himself to remember again, oh yes, I am God's beloved and that love comes over him. And when we do that kind of withdrawing, you know, it's just a remembering, it's the last line in Matthew, right, is remember, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And we have that commandment, that strange one. We understand, don't lie, don't kill, that kind of stuff, don't steal. And then there's that weird one. Take a day off. It's not a suggestion. It's one of the 10 big ones. About every seven days, every six days, take a whole day off, just sleep in, nap, read, eat good food with your family, hang out with friends, go out into nature. Reflect a little bit on your life. Let go of all the roles you're playing. Let go of the habits and routines. And remember, and remember who you are. You need that. In fact, I'm gonna make it a commandment that you take that day off. Don't kill people, take a day off. (laughs) It's that serious. And it's sort of implied there. If you don't take a day off, you may start killing people. (laughs) So we're making it one of the 10. Right. (laughs) What what this is all about, you know, all this, the music and the rituals and the speakers and all this stuff, we're just trying to uh, carry within us some freedom, some warmth, the fruits of the Spirit, generosity, kindness, joy, self-discipline, all these things, we're trying to carry it in our bones and the marrow of our bones, this kind of freedom. And what do young people and children need? They need living adults, free adults, free human beings to look towards, who befriend them, who remind them of that sacred freedom that's in them. And so your greatest work is to get free, is to find the ways out of the prison that we've created, this world that T.S. Eliot said is distracted from its distractions by its distractions right? This hypnotized world. You're trying to get free. And so this remembering that Tutu talks about, this withdrawing that we see Jesus do, is is a kind of permission giving. You have to give yourself permission to every once in a while, have a Sabbath. Take a break. Turn off the electronics. Allow God's presence and warmth to come over you. And the reason we resist is because, and, and we do resist it all the time, is because when we slow down, we start to feel. We start to feel the resentment that we feel in our work sometimes, the suffering that's going on in families, and our neighborhoods, the lack of, of, of any trust that we sense uh, in the world, uh, the, the, the lack of love, our own wounds, all that stuff rises up. And so it's easier to just stay busy, to keep working, to forget, to just move forward ahead of God, uh, feeling as if the world is on our shoulders. So, So the work and part of your calling, this is actually the core of your calling, is to allow God to love you. That's part of your work and struggle. No one is slowing down. No one is remembering. No one is moving beneath the uh, 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 hyperactivity of this culture. And part of your call, you remember it, right? I don't know when you came into this faith. You were a child or an adolescent or something. It was never about the job. It was about this intimacy that came up over you. It was about suddenly... Uh, When when, when you recognized the presence of God in the world, everything went into color. Uh, Another dimension opened up. There was an enchantment to the world. And you didn't have to have a prayer practice. You would lay in bed at night, and you would look down, and you would notice your heart praying. It just did. Simple, beautiful prayers. I want to be good. I want to be like you. I want to love more, I want to be free, remember that? And so when you went into these jobs that we're all playing, or volunteer positions in a church, it it was because you wanted more intimacy with that presence. You wanted to hang on to that source of compassion and love. You wanted to become more free, more alive, more yourself, more transparent to others. And so you thought, I'm going to go work in the church where there's other people who gather in those staff meetings and pray for one another and allow God's presence to come up and, and we can be transparent and honest and, and, and gather. It's like gathering a little wellspring of love. And so you walked in there. Finally, your first staff meeting. <coughs> These are other people like me who long to know God's presence. And you had your little prayer list and the things you wanted to talk about. And all of a sudden you sat there and one guy says, You know, uh, on the back of every room, I've laminated a seating chart of how the room is to be set up. It's not hard, folks. It's not hard. I came in this morning, and the round tables were on the right-hand side. And we got the rectangular tables over there. There's 25 chairs in there. It clearly says on this thing, there's supposed to be 45 chairs. So I spent my morning rearranging the room. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And then there's the budget numbers and the one staff member who doesn't want to talk because he's so angry at everybody and all this stuff goes on. And and we hide that little part of us, that little intimacy that woke up in us when God first uh, 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 became alive in us. We hide all that. And we go, oh, this is a job. Oh, there's work to be done here. Oh, this is about organizing sort of uh, activities and recreation. This is about being a recreation leader, an administrator, family counselor, all that kind of stuff. It's not. That call that you first he- heard is the real call. This is about intimacy with God. This is about remembering. This is about allowing God to love you. This is about sitting in a staff meeting like that and grieving. And grieving. And grieving the lack of transparency, the lack of honesty, the fact that you can't tell the truth there because it's unsafe. And so you sit there and you grieve, right? And you allow yourself to move into that place that Jesus felt. On the mountain, the tears that he had to allow to move through him so that he could go back onto the street and carry more. This is what this uh, spiritual life is about. That's our work. And it's work to do that, to move into that place of knowing. You know, this is the soul. See, we step into our souls every once in a while and remember. That's what Tutu was inviting us to do. And the soul is the place that knows God. It doesn't, be, it doesn't believe in God. There's a knowing in you. And the more you allow yourself to rest in God's presence, the more you hear God call you beloved, the more you're willing to to remember and recall this source of compassion, the more freedom and courage you have and a willingness to let go of everything you're doing that's killing you. There are so many activities in the church that we are doing that we know should stop, that we know are no longer bringing life, that we know are leaving people more burdened, more stressed, more anxious, more, less themselves, more separated from others, and we keep doing them. Right? We have to move down into that place of knowing and remember who God is so that we can be free and carry life, and the children and young people will come. How many lessons, sermons, teachings have you heard? How many words do you remember? a very small percentage. But I bet every person is in this room because there was a living human being. Some living person who carried life in them that saw you, that knew you, that encountered you and you wanted that same life. You may not remember their words, you remember their presence. That's what spiritual practice is about. It's just about remembering. So I wanna move beyond these words and actually give us an experience of this. So I wanna to, want to try something here and see if we can actually experience this uh, for real. Here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, in a moment here, I'm gonna uh, invite you to recall a moment in your life that was sacred, that was sacred to you. Okay, it's, it's as if I could hand you a photo album And that photo album had a picture of every moment of your life. And you're kind of flipping through it. And I said, which moments were sacred to you? And maybe that the moments that come to you in in this exercise were were kind of ordinary and mundane. You know, you were were sitting in your backyard and you were watching the woman uh, across the back fence plant her garden. And you felt deeply alive, deeply yourself. There's some sacred presence just sort of rose up in that moment. Or it may be that the moment was was life-altering, a moment that you often return to. What I'll do is is I'll bring us into silence and then I'll invite you to recall a moment that was sacred to you. And whatever the Spirit wants to bring you, if you have lots of experiences that show up, just choose the one that seems to want your attention the most. And then as a way of of, uh, remembering that, I'll invite you to go into your imagination and I'll invite you to remember what you saw and what you heard and what you felt in your body and what that sacred presence was like. And, uh, and then I'll invite you to allow that same sacred presence to just come over you once again, right here, right now. And we'll just dwell in that place maybe five or six minutes. I'll watch the time. And then I'll gently draw us out uh, uh, of the prayer and we'll see what showed up. We'll talk about it a little bit. So before we go into this, I want to invite you first of all to turn off any gadgets or things. You won't be interrupted or be tempted in any way. You just kind of be here. And, um, and then if you would like to move somewhere else in the room, if you're comfortable praying where you are, that's fine. But if you'd rather lay on the floor or, or sit up here with these little weird pews or lay on the ground or, or maybe stand up and pace in the back, you know, those are the traditional forms of praying, or on our knees, or, or lying down, or pacing gently, or sitting. You know, these, these are all things that help us to pray. And then as we, uh, as we sort of begin to, to relax into this prayer, I just want to invite you to close your eyes as a way of letting go of all the visual distractions. And just for a few moments here, uh, just allow yourself to attend and notice your own breathing. Just this little work, this little prayer that the body does beneath all our activities, all our thinking and worrying just follow your breath and you might even imagine that with every in breath you're breathing in God's life and God's love every time you exhale, you're just releasing whatever's ready to be let go of. And as we just rest in this silence, see if you might recall a moment in your life that was sacred. A moment of joy or connection, a moment of love, or just a simple whisper of presence that you experienced. And if various experiences come to you, just choose the one that seems to want your attention for the remainder of this prayer and as a way of recalling that experience I invite you to use your imagination as a way of returning back into that moment. What did you see in that experience? What were the colors and what did you hear in that moment? What were the sounds? And What did you feel in your body in that experience? What emotions were present? And what was that sacred presence like? What was that sacred presence like? And for the next few moments, Just allow that same sacred presence to fall over you once again. And then as we dwell in this sacred presence, see if there is a word or a symbol that rises up in you that expresses what that presence was like. As we begin to emerge out of the prayer, is there some invitation from the Spirit for how you might carry the grace of this prayer out into your daily life? And then simply allow gratitude to come over you for whatever has occurred within your prayer. gently bring your attention back to this room this time this gathering of souls if if you saw your life as a landscape these moments are little wells they're well springs and you can go back to them and still draw water you can still draw water. There's still more to be given in those places. And often they happen and we keep moving. It's, it's, so we have these moments of an inbreaking where the kingdom of God is suddenly here, right now. And and, and all the brokenness dissipates just for an instant. And, and the invisible world becomes visible. It shows up. And we know it. There's, there's, no, there's no trusting it, it's here. We just know this is it. This is what all the praying, all the struggle, all the suffering, all the praying has been about. It's right here. I want to invite you just to give me a word. And I'll repeat them. And, I, and, and so we'll just kind of popcorn this. And they're going to type it up here. A, a word that expresses what that sacred presence was like. That, by the way, the reason I use sacred presence and not God... It's because God, we have certain expectations of what the experience is. And maybe that phrase was odd enough that God could get in in a new way. So, what, uh, what is a word that expresses what that sacred presence was like? Unconditional. Unconditional right? Safe. Love. Gentle. Peace. Gentle. What else? Belonging. A sense of Delight. Deliverance, wholeness and refreshing, a surprise, a sense of of freedom that comes over us. Simple, simple, Simple. faithful, playful, playful. Playful. I feel deeply connected to myself, to others, to the earth. It's like a peaceful energy that sort of radiates around and within. There's absolute forgiveness. It's like the grace of forgiveness becomes a reality. I just fall into that experience. You you actually feel a warmth. It's like this warmth comes over you. Yeah. Wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah, the sense of wrestling that starts to show up with my own nature and God's nature. Mm -hmm. A reassurance. A kind of the anxiety ceases and I feel reassured who I am. It's like a miracle. It's just utterly out of this world and breaks in. A miracle. Embraced. I feel an embrace, I feel held, despite whatever suffering I carry, I I feel held. So that list, all those words that came up here, this is the God that Jesus knew. This is the very same God that Jesus knew. And you know this God, not believe in, you know. You know this God. You have encountered this God. Who would you be if every day you allowed this presence to come and be with you? Who would you be if you remembered these moments before you went out to be with your family, your friends, your community, your coworkers? What kind of courage might you carry? God is the greatest pleasure we have in this life. This is that pleasure, and you know it. So trust what you know is true, and let go of the rest. Amen? Amen. Amen.
0: The contents of this podcast episode are reproduced by permission of the presenter and Faith Forward under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivations Copyright. The Faith Forward podcasts are produced by Dave Sinis. Stay tuned for more episodes of the 2014 Faith Forward podcast series on the web at faith-forward.net and join us in Chicago for the 2015 Faith Forward Gathering, April 20th through 23rd.